are three months away from the 2024 GOP presidential candidates taking the stage for the first televised debate of the campaign trail, and candidates are still jumping into the race. Welcome to the first edition of the Talking Points podcast since 2020. I am your host, Benjamin Schiller. On today's show, I'll be joined by analysts to break down where the 2024 Republican presidential primary stands today as we enter the summer months. Two new candidates formally enter the race this week. One of the candidates is South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who formerly entered the presidential race on Monday. Beginning our coverage today is Talking Points analyst Noah Gutfleisch. Noah, thank you for joining us. Let's start with one of the biggest headlines this week, Tim Scott entering the race. He held his announcement speech Monday morning and discussed some of the policies he will run on. What can we expect from Scott from a policy standpoint on the campaign trail? Well, I think just looking at Tim Scott's record uh, in the Senate so far, he's been a pretty generic Republican. Like, he has really never differentiated from his party on many issues. But one thing that is different is how is what he's focusing on. He's focusing more on, like, uh, religion and, like, making it more of a faith-based campaign, at least that we've seen so far. Uh, so he's really, so he's really focusing on that and playing into his evangelical Christian background. So he's more, so he's looking, so even though his policy is not much different than many of the other candidates, he's focusing on religion more, which is, which is how he's hoping probably to differentiate himself from DeSantis, Trump, Haley, and all the other Republican uh, candidates. And we heard his pitch Monday morning. Why did Scott decide this was the time to throw his hat into the ring in an already crowded presidential primary? Well, I think that uh, some of the reason just could be he wants to potentially just get his name out there in case he wants to run maybe later and just, or potentially even get his name out there for a potential president pick. Uh, but also, it could just be he really thinks he could win. Uh, now, he is... Uh, not doing so well in polls, uh, clear front, the clear front runner still Trump, but it's possible that uh, he could. It's possible that if he could get enough momentum, and he could stay until South Carolina, and win it, he could really do well, and potentially go far in the primary. And that's something that we have to keep an eye on on this on this race because it is still pretty early in terms of who will we see in the South Carolina primary once we get to February and March. But another thing I want to kind of dive into is the polls, like you mentioned before. If you take a look at the polls this week, Scott doesn't really crack the top three or four in polling. Could he essentially be running this campaign to put his name out there as a potential VP pick? I think that's actually a very likely option. Uh, one thing that Scott offers is that he is, I believe, the only evangelical Christian in the race. So that is something that could differentiate him and help and could help someone out, uh, President, presidential uh, vice presidential ticket. For example, we saw Mike Pence in 2016, even though he was not exactly the most exciting or interesting choice, he helped uh, bring evangelical Christians and uh, he helped evangelical Christians, uh, he helped bring them to Trump's ticket and then and vote for him, even though they were maybe not the most excited to vote for him. So Scott could do that too. And I think that would actually really help Trump's ticket since Trump, even though he's a clear front runner, still is having some issues with evangelical Christians, and having having one on there like Scott could potentially help him. And also, uh, he could he could do maybe slightly better. He's still like uh, uh, in his pre- in his few races that he's running, he hasn't done too well with like minorities. 
mostly black voters, but he's done slightly better than other Republicans. So it's possible he could help uh, flip some states, help yeah, the bordering states of North Carolina and Georgia, since they're going to be very close in 2024. And we talked about Nikki Haley earlier in the podcast. I want to kind of dive into the fact that Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, they're running against each other here in the presidential primary, two candidates from the same home state. How could we see Scott try to differentiate his campaign from Nikki Haley's? Well, I think that Scott's going to focus, as I said before, a lot on like faith and uh, Christianity. Uh, Haley so far has not really focused on much of that. She's more like she's mostly focused on kind of kind of the culture war and like uh, on on the on their policies. Scott and Haley are like very similar. So I think, but I think that they could potentially di- differentiate themselves, or uh, Scott could potentially differentiate himself by focusing more on like faith and more like. I guess, religious issues such as uh, abortion, LGBT rights, and uh, stuff like that, as opposed to Haley, who's who's more or less focusing on the culture war, at least so far, that we've seen. And this is definitely something to keep an eye on throughout the entire presidential primary cycle, but let's kind of dive into my final question for you. How do you expect Scott to keep his campaign afloat until at least January, which is when the Iowa caucus will take place, as well as the New Hampshire primary at the end of the month? Well, I think that uh, he definitely has some hype. He is, I think that he has a good amount of fundraising, first off. He has about $22 million, I believe, he's starting out with. So, you know, that's definitely good. It's definitely good enough to get your name out there. Uh, I think that also he's really going to try to mobilize those evangelical Christians and try to bring them home because they are because they are a very big block in the Republican Party. So if he could get a lot of them on board with his campaign, because uh, right now I'd say like they're more leaning towards DeSantis or some other Republicans are really undecided. And he's trying to if he could bring them home, he could definitely be getting he could really be saying well into the race. And he gets South Carolina and Haley's out. He is actually a very big threat then. I don't think he's really favored to win the primary. He's at best, I would say, going to finish in third. But I think that if he could really get evangelical Christians, maybe also some black Republicans on board, he could definitely be getting a, at least like 15, 20%. And he could potentially hold to South Carolina. And if he wins that, yeah, he has a lot of momentum and can really, and if he doesn't win, he could definitely make a big impact. And we will definitely take a look at Tim Scott's taking his, the different angle throughout the summer as well as the fall semester when we return to campus. Noah Gutfleisch, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also officially filed his paperwork to run for president this week as well. Many had expected DeSantis to throw his hat into the ring for the past six months, but now it is official. Talking Points analyst Luke Radel joins us now to break down the DeSantis announcement and what we can expect from his campaign. So, Luke, let's start out with the DeSantis announcement on Twitter Spaces. That was clearly a debacle, but what were the key takeaways from the event? Yeah, man, it's great to be with you. I think there were a lot of people who were skeptical about this Twitter Spaces launch from the get-go, even before we had those obvious technical difficulties. 
we're talking about how you know Ron DeSantis wants to pitch himself as Trump but normal, Trump but competent, uh, and you know we don't see that competency coming across when you can't even hear what the candidate is saying for the first half an hour. Now, the way things are in this social media landscape, uh, within about a week or so, nobody's going to remember the fact uh, that this is, you know, the way in which the campaign was launched. We'll be on to 17 other stories uh, in the political news cycle, which is kind of the way things work. But it could potentially set up a pattern here of things not going well for Ron DeSantis. We're seeing a lot of members of his campaign team have never actually run a national campaign before. And so we're seeing some early, you know, missteps out of the gate like this. If that becomes a pattern then it could be something that we see people like Donald Trump and even Nikki Haley uh, seizing on when they're trying to topple DeSantis uh, in this Republican primary. And you mentioned Trump. How have Republicans, Trump even himself, and even Democrats reacted to this now official DeSantis presidential run? Yeah, I'll start with the Democrats because it was a more of a uh, standard reaction, I guess, from the Democrats. We saw a tweet from President Joe Biden's account saying, you know, this link works with a link to his donation uh, website in response to the fact that the link to the Twitter space didn't work. Obviously, many people know that that's not Joe Biden actually tweeting that out, but it was a smart response from his campaign team. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, we've seen the other Republican candidates really going after DeSantis a lot harder than they've been going after Trump, who as polls suggest, is the front runner in this race. And so we're seeing folks like Nikki Haley, folks like Mike Pence, uh, and even people like Asa Hutchinson uh, attacking Florida Governor Ron DeSantis early in this race. And then, of course, Donald Trump has been the you know harshest critic of Ron DeSantis. He clearly sees him as a threat to the nomination and has been posting about, you know, Rob DeSanctimonious, as he calls him, basically nonstop since the announcement and even long before uh, this announcement has been made official. And you mentioned some of the Republican candidates before, and we'll break down the polls with Dominic Chappelle later in the program. But DeSantis is clearly the chief challenger to President Trump here. What does DeSantis need to do to ensure he is a formidable opponent against Trump? Well, if you've been watching, he's been doing interviews on a lot of more conservative-leaning outlets, places like Fox News, places like Newsmax, The Daily Wire, uh, where he's been drawing a very clear contrast with former President Trump on two key issues thus far. Uh, and, and the first one has been immigration. He says that President Trump pushed for an amnesty bill in 2017-2018 under Speaker Paul Ryan, uh, which DeSantis says he voted against, and also on their response as chief executive, one of the United States and the other of Florida, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Ron DeSantis says that Trump turned over the country to Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Deborah Burks, and had things locked down. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Donald Trump said, well, Ron DeSantis also shut down his state for a period of time, as did most states in the height of the pandemic. So, so far, we've seen uh, you know clear contrast being drawn on those two issues, and that's going to be a necessary step for Ron DeSantis to take. He has to come at Trump directly here, because none of the other candidates thus far have actually made the case as to why they would be a better nominee than the frontrunner, which seems like a necessary thing to do if you want to beat him. And let's talk about those policies and, and what, we're, what we can expect from DeSantis on the campaign shell. We had mentioned before that DeSantis is trying to cater to the Trump uh, voter base. What can we expect from DeSantis on the campaign shell? What is he campaigning on? Yeah, you know, we've seen criticism of Ron DeSantis being a bit robotic and, and difficult to uh, manage on the campaign trail, having a hard time interacting with voters. At one point, there was a video that circulated and went pretty viral of him uh, laughing at something a voter said in a, in a very over-the-top manner. Another one where he asked a voter what their name was, and the voter gave their name, and he just said, okay. So he's got some things to work out on the retail politics end of things. But I also expect that the tone of this campaign is going to be a lot 
nastier and potentially even a bit weirder than we've seen in past presidential campaigns. In 2016 primary, a lot of the Republican opponents were folks that acted like Nikki Haley and Tim Scott have acted. They were very professional, very standard establishment type Republicans. The only one who kind of went after Trump in the same way that Trump went after everybody else was Marco Rubio for like a week there in in February of 2016 and even made a reference uh, to the size of Trump's anatomy. And I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot more of that just weirdness uh, coming out in this Republican primary in 2024 uh, from Ron DeSantis hitting Trump head on Maybe not on you know those aspects of the former president, but on a lot of the policies and things that they, he wants to draw a contrast on. Well, we'll definitely see Trump and the Sanders in action on the debate stage at the end of August for the first GOP primary debate. But ultimately, does the Sanders have a chance against Trump? This might be down to him in the polls by at least 20, 25 points in some polls. Absolutely. I see very little value in looking at polls when we are seven plus months away from the first ballots being cast in states like Iowa that have been known to buck the national trends. Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses uh, for the Republicans in 2016. Pete Buttigieg won the Iowa caucus for the Democrats in 2020. So we've got a long way to go before this thing is anywhere near calling. Right now, I think it is going to be a two-person race between Trump and DeSantis. And DeSantis has just gotten into this race officially. He's got a lot of ground to make up, but I think that you know there's a very real shot. Uh, that he has it doing it, especially if he's able to get up on a debate stage and draw a clear contrast with him. And you hit it spot on. We are just 18 months away from Decision Day 2024, as well as the Iowa caucuses at the end of January. Talking Points Analyst Luke Radel, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Great to have you. With DeSantis and Tim Scott now officially in contention, there has been a slight shift in poll numbers this week. Talking Points Analyst Dominic Chappelle joins us now to give us the latest on where things stand today. Dominic, thank you for joining us today. We have seen President Trump leading in the primary polls for the past couple of weeks. Now that his chief challenger, Ron DeSantis, is officially in the race, how big is his lead today? Yeah, so we're recording this on Thursday. So Ron DeSantis on Wednesday had announced on Twitter his official launch of his campaign, already filed uh, paperwork and all that. If you're looking at the latest polls, Trump still clearly has the early lead. For 5.30 as of May 25, Trump has... A 54% kind of or a 54% count in terms of who's ahead on the 2024 primary polls, which is by all accounts at least 25 to 30% above any other candidate. DeSantis is pulling around kind of the mid mid to high 20s in terms of approval, and then after that you've got to drop off with candidates like Nikki Haley, among others, Tim Scott, etc. So the biggest thing, obviously, that we're going to be gearing toward for this election and for the primary specifically for the GOP is going to be. Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis. Can DeSantis actually make a case for himself to steal some of those Trump voters that have been so loyal to him when he was president, before he was president, and even after the fact, uh, after 2020? So I think that's the biggest thing. But what we've seen so far is that ever since DeSantis jumped in, in the immediate hours, there has been a significant jump, but that can obviously change between now and the upcoming months. And we've seen over the past couple of months with DeSantis flirting of a potential bid. We've seen DeSantis actually lose some poll numbers over the past couple of weeks, mainly because of some of his backlash and negative attention from some of his policies in the state of Florida. How has the negative attention affected his poll numbers over the past couple of weeks? I think what you're seeing here in terms of what's going on with Ron DeSantis' kind of governor-style governor, governor style policies and kind of some of the things he's been in favor of and more importantly not in favor of, you're, you're seeing the big backlash from voters. It's more than just a backlash from your Democratic candidates, uh, voters who identify as more moderate or independent. I think what you're seeing is that he's trying to be a Trump light, 
and there's been a lot of analysts in, especially the media and pollsters, et cetera, who have basically said, you can't out-Trump Donald Trump. And I think that point especially really sticks out because DeSantis needs to kind of find the balance between differentiating himself as a candidate individually enough to, to get voters and to get attention, while at the same time, he needs to still appeal to what is clearly now the dominant vote, uh, voting block for the GOP, which is hardline Trump supporters. And I think that's the challenge DeSantis is trying to figure out here. You also to couple that with, I think, just being in recent headlines, like the, the, the backlash with Disney. I think that's not doing any, any favor to his popularity. Um, a lot of the national media, is especially looking at Florida with some of the recent legislation being passed. So overall, he's in a difficult spot because he's trying to kind of reflect his camp. He's trying to differentiate his camp, but honest, at the same time, reflect a lot of his policies based off the former president. And there's a clear consensus that Trump and DeSantis will be number one and two in the polls, respectively, for the next couple of months. Who else can we see make a name for themselves and rise in the polls before the first GOP primary debate in August? To, to be honest, Ben, this is a really hard one because it, based off just the numbers and also just the consensus politically, it's basically just Trump and DeSantis fighting for who will be the presidential nominee and who will be on the GOP ticket as the president. Because if you look at the other poll numbers, like Mike Pence is kind of in the bottom, like, you know, less than 10%, Nikki Haley, less than 10%, Tim Scott pulling around kind of the same there. There isn't a clear third candidate here. The only question you could really think about, and this is kind of looking way ahead once we get to primary season, can some of those uh, those candidates, those voters who are interested in Nikki Haley, a Tim Scott, can we see a 2020 situation to happen with Biden where those supporters rally around that? Do we see that with DeSantis or do we see them go to Trump? And I think what you're seeing, though, is that there's probably not going to be a third candidate. This is going to be mainly a case of Trump versus DeSantis, especially with the, direct, the direction the GOP party is heading. There, there isn't a room for a more moderate candidate, it seems like. It seems like voters aren't really, especially on the conservative side, they are really interested in that. It's kind of a case between those two main candidates. So that's kind of what the field looks like. But obviously, a lot can happen between now and the upcoming months once primaries kick off and once we see some final results. Especially with the presidential campaign cycle being so early on, we're mainly talking about the candidates who are jumping into the race, but we're not talking about the policies that the candidates are focusing on just yet. But as we approach the summer months, what is the GOP focusing on? And what are we seeing in these public opinion polls in the media? So... I think to answer the first question, a big thing that the GOP needs to decide, there's, there's actually two things. The first is, assuming Trump is the clear front runner by far and away for securing the GOP nomination, can you win when that's the case? We haven't seen, it's been over 150 years. You have to go back to Grover Cleveland in the late 1880s, early uh, 1890s, where a president has won an election, lost the following, uh, lost his re-election bid, and then won again in the White House. So this is a super duper rare instance. But even just looking at the specifics of what happened in 2020, and honestly, what happened in the, in the midterms in 2022, where independent and moderate voters simply would any Trump-backed candidate for the most part did not do well in those midterm elections, and is that a sign of what's to come? Can stuff happen that will maybe? damage the candidacy of Joe Biden, DeSantis, or other candidates in the upcoming months leading into the primaries? I think that's the question. But broadly for the GOP, the biggest challenge, to be honest, based off what we know, what's the platform for the GOP? Are they just solely basing their entire candidacy to put somebody, a Republican, in the White House in 2025 based on we need to bring back Trump? And if that's your your platform where it's based more on the person and less on what are the policies, I think if they can actually come up with a list of policies, 
that that changes things, but it seems like they're clearly not on that. So that's something that they should do. But broadly speaking, they need to answer the question of can we win a general election with Donald Trump on the ticket yet again? Uh, we already saw those results in 2020. That didn't work. We already saw it in 2022. That didn't work. Will that change in 2024? And we're now just less than 18 months away from Decision Day 2024. We've been talking about mostly the GOP candidates the entire podcast. But let's shift focus to the 2024 general election. President Biden is clearly going to be the Democratic nominee despite some challengers. But where do the national polls stand today in a potential Trump versus Biden rematch or even a DeSantis versus Biden election? So a lot of the polling base just kind of out there gives Biden a slight lead by only a few percentage points. And obviously, we know that when it comes to polls, you take them with a grain of salt for stars. And second off, they can easily change over the course of an election cycle, especially once you get past the primaries, especially in Biden's case, by the way, just because there's still instability with the debt ceiling, with the continued persistence of inflation. The economy always tends to be arguably, and if not the biggest indicator of a presidential of a, of a president's popularity and approval rating so that's something to look for look for kind of in the upcoming months is does the economy experience a rebound and is there a right marketing of that if that's actually the case so if you're looking at it biden clearly is the slight favorite he's got a little bit of an inside track but obviously there's still a lot of unknowns here kind of moving forward so that's something to keep out on for sure and we, we've seen the presidential election cycles out. They can be pretty unpredictable, as we've seen over the past two presidential election cycles, especially with COVID coming on just six months ahead of a decision day 2020. Talking Points Analyst Dominic Chappone, thank you for joining us. Yep, thanks for having me. That'll be it for our program today. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the analysis of where things stand today in the 2024 GOP presidential primary. You can follow Talking Points during the summer break on Twitter and Instagram at Talking Points TP and Citrus TV News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On behalf of Noah Gutfleisch, Luke Radel, and Dominic Chapone, I am Benjamin Schiller.